Hey everyone, this is Dear Analyst, episode number 42, and in this episode, I'm going to be getting into running macros, something I don't talk about quite often on the podcast, but thought this would be a good time to explore given the long weekend, and we'll be using Google Apps Script and Google Sheets, and also a little bit of uh, VBA and Microsoft Excel, and the use case here is how you can fill the values down in your first column when you have the value when the, when you have one cell that contains the value but then all the cells below that cell are empty and you want to fill that value down but you don't want to do this manually you want to use a macro or a script to make this a lot faster and when i show this example um, on the google sheet you'll it'll, it'll become more apparent what the problem is and I want to kind of just give a quick call out to the data set. I've been hearing a lot more about SPACs these days. So what is a SPAC? It's a uh, special special purpose. Let me just make sure I get the right. Um, what exactly is the acronym stand for? Something special purpose, something acquisition. I'm just going to Google this really quick. SPAC. Special purpose acquisition company. So I knew there was an acquisition in there somewhere. So what is a SPAC? Um, it's a SPAC. Uh, they, they raise a bunch of money through an IPO and then they use that money to invest in other high growth companies and eventually turn those companies around. And apparently, in 2020, there was a record number of SPACs, SPAC IPOs that came on the market. Um, don't know why. Um, they're also known as blank check companies, and they've been they've been around for a long time. But for some reason, this year they've kind of taken off. And uh, let's see. As of July 24th, only 26 of the SPACs in in a certain group have had positive returns in this one study. Um, some more background on SPACs. They raise money in IPO. They place it in a trust while the sponsor goes to find a business or businesses to acquire. And then they try to turn that company around um, through a merger or something like that. And apparently some recent examples include DraftKings. Oh, apparently the Nikola, the the electric truck company Nikola is also an event, also the beneficiary of a SPAC, and oh, Virgin Galactic Holdings didn't know that as well. Anywho, found this data set. There's a, I found this uh, Google sheet online of a bunch of SPACs and who is involved in those SPACs, and uh, in the Google sheet example in the show notes, you'll see uh, an abbreviated list of of a few SPACs. And these SPACs are all from August and July. So why don't we just go into the Google Sheet now? So the Google Sheet, if you're just listening to this, has one, two, three, four, five, six columns. So we have SPAC ticker. So it's like the symbol for the SPAC, essentially the IPO like uh, ticker symbol. The name of the SPAC, the target industry, IPO size, IPO date and notable leadership advisors. So for instance, the very first row, row two, the SPAC ticker is HZAC, HZAC. 
The name of the SPAC is Horizon Acquisition Corp. The target industry is financial services and fintech and insurance technology. IPO size was $500 million. IPO date was August 20, 20th, 2020. And notable leaders and advisors include Haroon Maktarzada, who is the founder of Truebill, and then Safwan Shah, who is the founder and CEO of Pactive. So that's kind of how the data is structured. It's really just kind of like a long list of SPAC ticker symbols, names, targets, IPO size, so on and so forth. But the you'll notice that a lot of the values are duplicated. So for instance, rows two and three, you'll see that the name of the SPAC in column B is both Horizon Acquisition Corp. Same target industry, IPO size is the same, obviously, IPO date the same. But then the notable leadership, it looks like each row is an individual leader within that SPAC. So everything's kind of broken out basically by person. The spreadsheet's broken out by person. The problem is, and you've probably seen this before in other spreadsheets as well, is that the first column, only the first row of data for that like record is filled in. So right now in cell A2, you'll see the word, the ticker symbol HZAC. But then in cell A3, it's empty. But A3 should contain HZ, HZAC as well. Now, if you go to cell A4, it's a different, a complete new SPAC. It's called FST, Fast Acquisition Corp. And there are three people associated with that SPAC, and they're on three separate rows. So we have three rows for FST. The problem is FST only appears in cell A4, but cells A5 and A6 are empty. And those cells should be filled in with the ticker symbol FST. So this pattern happens for the rest of the spreadsheet where you have a bunch of empty cells in column A, but they should be filled in by the previous SPAC symbol that's like starting, that's marking off that first row that's marked for that SPAC. So just to recap, the problem here is we have a bunch of rows of data. We have people in column F that are, that, and so each row indicates one person that's participating in a SPAC. But the column A, the SPAC ticker symbol, there are empty cells which need to be filled in with the SPAC ticker symbol. So if you are doing this by hand, what you could do is click on cell A2, which is which is HZAC, HZAC, we'll call it for that now. I can press shift down arrow, so I have cell A3 selected. I can press control D or command D on a Mac down, and it fills the HZAC value down. Now if I'm in cell A4, which contains FST, I'm going to hold my shift key down and press down arrow twice. So now I have A4, A5, and A6 selected. And I can press Command D or Control D down to fill that FST down into cells A5 and A6. A7 is a completely different SPAC, SPAC ticker symbol. I can fill that down by selecting F7 and A7 and A8, Control down, and so on and so forth. So I'm basically selecting every unique SPAC ticker symbol, selecting all the empty cells until there's a new SPAC, and then pressing Control down to fill that value down. And the reason why you want to do this is because you might want to throw all this data into a pivot table. And the only way that this would work in a pivot table is if all the SPAC ticker symbols 
are filled in in column A. If you have empty cells for a SPAC ticker symbol, then if you want to pivot by SPAC ticker, which is the first column in column A, then the, the pivot table won't work. So you'll typically, I mean, I can't, I, I used to come across this problem a lot in my former analyst days. And sometimes you have to make the judgment of like, how long is this list? If the list is like short, let's say 100 rows or less, I don't mind doing this by hand by using keyboard shortcuts and like selecting cells and filling down like what I'm doing right now. But if it's if that list is a million rows long, that's definitely not doable. And how would the data even get into a position like this where you have empty cells in the column A where we need to fill in with the values like above it? Sometimes this actually comes from a copy and paste values from another pivot table. Because if a pivot in a pivot table, if you recall, when you group by a certain column, you'll you won't see all the values filled in for every row. You'll see them grouped at like a at a parent level. And so if you if someone had copied and copied and pasted values, the pivot table values into a spreadsheet, and you took that and wanted to like create another pivot table off of that, then you're gonna get a data structure that looks like this, where you have a relatively complete table, but then there are missing values or empty cells in column A in this case, where there should be a cell where there should be a value from like the row above or from a few rows above, depending on like how many rows need to be filled in. So how do we fill in all these empty cells like this without using keyboard shortcuts like I'm doing now? There are multiple ways of doing this, but in Google Sheets, the only way I could figure out, figure a way of doing this is by using, um, Google Apps Script, which is a scripting language that's very similar to JavaScript to get the, uh, to automatically do this for you without having to use keyboard shortcuts or anything. The script just runs and it looks at everything in column A and fills things down. So I'm actually going to, let's, bring this thing over. I'm showing on the screen the script that you can use. Oh, this is actually the one for Google Sheets, Microsoft Excel. Let's go back to the one for Google Sheets. This is a script you can use for Google Sheets. And the way I'm going to, it's actually only, what is that, five, like 14 rows of, of code. And the way you can insert in a code, insert in a, a script to your Google Sheet is normally you can go to data, sorry, tools, then macros and record macro. But what I'm going to do is go to tools, macros, import, and I'm going to, well, actually I actually already have a script here. Let me just delete this. Oh, this is already here. Let's assume we didn't have a macro here. Um, you can, actually, let me see if I save this, if it'll get rid of that macro for me. So I want to start this from scratch. Let's refresh this. So I'm going to tools, tools, macros. So you have no, I have no macros right here, but instead I can go to tools, script editor, and I have nothing in my macros.gs script. Now I'm, now I'm in Google app script. This is a Google app script connected to my, um, connected to my Google sheet. And I'm going to select my, I'm going to copy and paste the script put it into Google Apps Script, 
And here's what we can run. Well, first I'm going to press uh, file save just to save this into my macro macros.js um, code file. And I can now go ahead and run this script and let's see what happens. So if I go into Google Sheets and I go into Tools, Macros, you notice how I have this import option now because I have some script now in my Google Apps script. I can click on import. And it's it the import says I have this fill values down macro, but it's just not added to my Google Sheet yet. I'm just going to click on add function. It's been added. Close this, close this icon, the menu. Go back to tools, macros, and now you can see I have this fill values down macro. If I click on this, it's going to run. And you can, now you can see... My column A now has all the proper SPAC ticker symbols filled in in those empty cells, which originally did not contain the proper, well, didn't contain any SPAC ticker symbol. So that's what this script does. I'm just going to undo that. And let's kind of walk through what this script does line by line, because it's actually a pretty simple script. And I think it's worth kind of getting, just kind of learning about how Google Apps Script work and how you can really do some really powerful things with Google Apps Script. So the first thing we do in row one, in line one of the script is, is we just call a function. It's called function fill values down. And I'm just going to zoom out a little bit. And fill values down is just the name of the, the macro. That's what it, um, that it just simply the name of the macro. And you can use that name when you call the macro in your Google sheet. The next line row two is var spreadsheet equals spreadsheet app dot get active. All that does is it looks at the spreadsheet app as like a special object in the Google Sheets API. And spreadsheet app basically lets you access different attributes of the spreadsheets application. And dot get active simply just gives you the active spreadsheet in your Google Sheet. And in this case, it's just going to be SPAC data, which is right here. Now, if we go to the row three, var current range, this is probably get <clears throat> the most advanced uh, variable, probably. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Var current range equals spreadsheet.getRange, left parentheses, double quote, a2 colon a double quote, plus spreadsheet.get last row left parentheses, right parentheses, right parentheses. Now, what does this line do? So before, let's just ignore var current range for now. Spreadsheet is the name of the variable we have in row two, which is var spreadsheet. So we are basically referencing the active spreadsheet by ref using this variable name. Now, dot get range, that simply pulls in the range of cells that you can select in the Google Sheet. So in this case, we are saying we want everything from A2, which is starting with right below the row header in Google Sheets. We were looking at row two, which is HZAC, colon, A, double quote. And the reason why we don't finish the cell reference, we could do A2 colon A100 or whatever, but we want to know exactly when the last row appears on our Google Sheet. And that's case, in that case, we can use this get last row function, and that returns us the last row that has any data in our Google Sheet. And in this case, it's going to be row 18. And so this will give us A2 plus 
a2 colon a18 because we're putting in this variable, which is, well, not a variable, but it's like we're referencing the active spreadsheet, getting the last row, and then this reference becomes a2 colon a18 for our Google Sheet. And then we set this uh, range equal to current range. So var current range, this variable current range contains our, like, everything from A2 to A18, which is column A with all our SPAC ticker symbols, which also, that if you recall, that column contains empty cells. Then we have this new range, var new range in row four, line four, equal to just a empty array. We'll use that later. And then we have an empty variable called var new fill value, which will come into play later on in this, um, in this loop. So we have a few, we have four variables to find. That's all you need for this script to work. You could probably simplify this down even more, but for now, I thought this was simple enough. Now, row six, this is where things get a little spicy. So we have current range, which is, if you recall, A2 to colon A18, get values. What does that do? That just gets every single value from our range. So we'll have basically this range of values where we have, sorry, we have A2 to A18. So you're going to have an array of ticker symbols, but also in that array, you're going to have ticker symbol plus empty values because we have cells with empty values in that range. So you're going to see in this array, you're going to see a bunch of ticker symbols, but interspersed in those ticker symbols, there's going to be empty cells here, 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 so on and so forth. So get value simply just pulls all the values from the range you selected. And then this dot map function value, what this does is we're going to now loop through every single value that's returned from this get values function. And then each value, as we loop through each value, that value gets put into this value variable. When we say map left parentheses function, left parentheses value, right parentheses. And then everything within this left bracket and right bracket these are things this is what this is the code that will run for every single value in our array um, so we have 17 values in our array in this case because our google sheet has 17 rows of data so what we do now from this point is on line seven we do an if if then conditional statement so if value and the reason why we have to do this value left bracket zero right bracket is because the way Google Sheets data is structured, and most of your time, most of your time when you're like struggling with using the API or Google Apps Script is really trying to figure out how to like access the data structure. So in Google Sheets, the data is stored in a 2D array. I'm not going to go into what that means, but essentially you have to like reference the first object, the first parameter from the value, um, value in order to access the actual value in that cell. So we're looking, we're basically saying if the first, if the value in the, if the, if the value does not equal in blank. So we're basically saying that if it does contain a ticker symbol, set the new fill value variable to that value. So in this case, our first ticker symbol is HZAC. So now new fill value will now contain the result of value left left bracket zero right bracket which is hzac so new fill value now contains this basically hzac like that and then what we do is we do new range which is this 
on line four, we had de declared this array. We say new range push, push this, uh, this adds values to an array. And we say push new fill value. And recall new fill value just contains the value of our ticker symbol. And the reason we have to put this in a bracket, again, is because Google Sheets needs to have a 2D array of values. So essentially it has to be an array of arrays. And so we're basically creating an array of one value by putting new fill value in an array. And then we're pushing that array into this like outer array called new range. So new range dot push left parentheses, left bracket, new fill value, right bracket, right parentheses. And that's basically it for the first if then if statement. So we're basically checking if the value contains a ticker symbol, then we run this code, which is set new fill value to the ticker symbol and then new range the new range array gets that ticker symbol added to it as an array. So what happens if there is an empty cell? That's what this else is for. And the else will simply push the new, the new fill value as well into the range. And the reason why this works is because if you think about it, in our background of Google Sheets, we have HZAC, which is our ticker symbol, which contains a value, but then cell A3 is blank. And we want that cell to contain HZAC. If you go back to the script, at this point in the loop, we're going to be going to the else branch because there's no value in that empty cell. So then new range gets pushed the new fill value. And what's new fill value? It's still new fill value still contains the original, the first value, which is, which is HZAC. So new range push now contains two values. The first value was was added. New range was first. The HZAC was first added to new range in the first iteration of the loop. So the first position in the array now contains HZAC. The second time the loop runs, new range also gets a new fill value, which is also HZAC. So right now our array looks like this, which is left bracket, hzac, right bracket, comma, left bracket, hzac, left, right bracket, like that. So we have two values in our new range array. Basically, each value is hzac. And then that finishes the second time. Now, the third time it runs, it's going to see this fst ticker symbol. So now there's a non-empty ticker symbol. And what happens when this, this script runs again in this loop is it says that value, the the, the current value is FST, so it's not blank. Now it's going to go through this branch of the if-then if statement. And then guess what? New fill value gets set to equal FST. And then new range gets pushed that FST value. And then every subsequent empty cell below FST goes into this else branch. And guess what? New fill value now contains FST. So FST will now get added to the new range array. So we're basically creating this array called new range that will contain all the values, like kind of filled in, double quote, that the range should have. And at the very, very end, the last um, line of the, the script, current range that set values, it basically takes this range, the new range array that we've been populating with all the correct ticker symbols, and basically sets that range equal to 
those that array. So now we have an array that kind of looks like this. So we have hzac, comma, I'm just going to kind of, going to do the first few options here, comma, and this is going to be fst, comma, fst. So our array is going to start looking like this, where we have this array of values all filled in. And then what we do is we set this array of values into the current range. And recall our current range is set up here, which is everything from A2 to A18. So again, if we, we can run the script from Google Sheets or we can run it from here from Google Apps Script by pressing this play button. And it's, make sure to select fill values is selected. And then you're going to see these values automatically filled in. Now it's very tempting to do something like this. Now this is what I used to do when I first started using Google App, like, uh, started using macros rather, is you go to tools, macros, record macro. And what you can do here, I'm just going to hide that. You use your keyboard and actually select stuff with the keyboard like this. I can fill this formula down. And you think that, okay, I can do a few iterations of this. Hit save. I can call this um, fill test. You're essentially logging keyboard strokes into the macro. But then when you actually look at what the macro, what the, the code for that macro, what it looks like, this is down here. You can see you have things like get range dot activate and then get current cell, get selection, get next, get next iter range, activate. These are all functions that exist in the Google Sheets API that let you actually like select things and fill formula down and essentially do things that you would normally do in Excel. But the problem is, is that this is very inefficient when it comes to doing a lot. If you have a million rows where you have to do this, fill this formula down. This actually ends up becoming very um, uh, resource intensive and slow compared to using this, where you're actually just using objects behind the scenes. I think if you're like if you're just starting off using macros, like this type of we're logging keyboard shortcuts and looking at how looking at the pattern of how things are selected with the cursor and then like how you're selecting data ranges and stuff, that's good as a like level one because you can actually see how the cursor is moving around the Excel file. But once you get to level two, like you're an advanced macro user, you're probably gonna want to do something like this because this doesn't actually get into the application of Google Sheets and moving your cursor around and like selecting ranges and activating stuff because that ends up being, I mean, think about it. Like every time the, the script runs, it's going into Google Sheets and like physically, well, virtually selecting stuff on the Google Sheet. Whereas this script is a lot more performant because you're just taking data from the, the data model behind the scenes and you're only really using the, the spreadsheet like op, features at the very end when you say current range that set values new range um, this is also kind of hard to read to be honest like you have really have to simplify this down to make it look easy but this is how i used to do macros originally but then i virtually I, I found out that doing macros like this was very slow especially in excel um, so yeah not as a not as a good of experience so that's the script for google sheets um, I know a lot of you folks are still using Excel out there, so I, I did write a quick version for Excel 
I'm going to drag this over here. This is the version in Excel. I'm just going to zoom in. You can see we have the same exact data. Well, actually, let me let me actually copy this so I can put it into the spreadsheet, and so it looks the same. Okay, so this is you should see the Excel file here, and we have the exact same data. Uh, this should be here. And we have empty cells in column A. And if I go to developer and then go to macros, I already put in the um, the macro here. I know it's kind of hard to see. I can't zoom in onto the, um, the macro, but I also have a link to the macro here in Google Sheets. It's very similar, but there's a lot of like extra vocabulary you have to get used to. And um, I honestly don't like VBA as much anymore now that um, there's Google Apps Script because Google Apps Script looks and feels like JavaScript and JavaScript is a lot more universal when it comes to using other applications outside of Google Sheets and Spreadsheets. So, but this is still, uh, you can still do, this is more reminiscent of like, uh, yeah, this is basically Visual Basic, and some of these things requires you to go into the Excel file and like select things, which I don't like, but it works. So if you go into go back to the Excel file, let's go drag this out, and if I go to Macros, Fill Values Down, Run, it would just do the same thing as the um, as the Google Sheets script. So that is the uh, script you can use. Um, I know this is probably going to be focused on a very specific use case, but I do come across this a lot when I was an analyst, so I thought this might be a useful script for folks to see. And let me know if you have any questions in the show notes or show comments. All right, in the second part of this episode, I wanted to talk about one other episode um, from a podcast I recently just started listening to. It's a relatively new podcast. But it's from a Heavy Bit, which I really, uh, which I really enjoy. Heavy Bit is like this. Um, they're kind of like a what are they? They're like an accelerator slash investment fund, and they invest in a lot of developer and kind of tech-related um, companies. And they have a bunch of different podcasts, and they have a new one called Developer Love. And on episode three, they they speak with uh, Peggy Razis who works at Apollo and Apollo is, I guess, I guess a really high level Apollo is a graph QL implementation and it gives you like the data graph layer that allows you to use and use your APIs in a much more performant way beyond like simple rest APIs. And um, so Apollo is like a very, definitely a very, developer focused um, product and on the episode Peggy raises she talks about how she used to be an engineer writing code and then she eventually found out that she was a lot better well I don't know if she was better at but she just found more passion and more uh, joy from teaching and communicating to other developers to get them to understand how to use um, their her company's products in this case it's Apollo and you know, I actually, I started doing this a little bit for my job um, at Coda, and around minute 21, Peggy started, Peggy was asked, what are the challenges that you face right now as a developer advocate? And again, developer advocate is also a relatively new role that I didn't know about until recently after just like realizing that I'm kind of doing it a little bit um, in my current role. And 
a developer advocate is someone who just pulling up the definition here is a um I'm trying to find like a good example or sorry rather a good definition uh where is i'm just gonna find the first first result in google honestly <laughs> a developer advocate is someone who represents developers interests and helps them use their tools more productively they engage with developer communities and establish reliable feedback loops with users to ensure programmers get the information they need to improve their work so it's two-way kind of two-way relationship the developer advocate is in charge of bring developers that are using the company's products bring the develop bring the outside developers um, product requests and interests and brings them to the company and the product managers to make sure that their voice is heard. And also they engage with the developer communities to educate them, provide content and training on how to use their different products and solutions. And around minute 21, Peggy was asked, what are the biggest challenges you are faced with as a developer advocate? And she mentioned too that I think we're just right on the, uh, hit the nail on the head. Number one, she said measurement. And I've heard this actually quoted multiple times across other like communities I follow and other podcasts where people are developer advocates are being interviewed. And it's like, how do you measure the impact of a developer impact developer advocate developer advocates? You know, at least when I think about it, I think about it as like, you know, creating a lot of videos, YouTube videos, tutorials, uh, blog posts that teach someone, another developer, how to use your product. And it's usually you know, a relatively technical product um, you know, for instance, like this, this episode right here, I just did a YouTube tutorial on how to use the Google app script for running this Google sheets thing. It's kind of like a developer advocate, like, uh, you know, project. And that's essentially what you're doing is creating all this content. And the way you measure this is by, you can look at the views on your blog posts, views on your YouTube videos. But at the end of the day, what um, the companies care about is like how many developers are using my product, how much revenue is coming in from the companies that are buying my product, and some of these more business-minded metrics. And I think measurement, it's hard to define like what's that North Star metric. Some companies can define it as views. Some companies can define it as revenue. Some may define it as like, you know, email subscribes to their developer newsletter. I think there's so many different ways to define it. My whole take on this, the way I've been approaching it, at least in terms of how I've been approaching advocacy to developers in our community and just to users in our community, is just by putting as much content out there in all different formats because you don't know how people like to learn. Some people like to learn visually. Some people like to learn by reading a tutorial. I found I learn from doing all kinds of things. So personally, as someone who likes to create content for education about some of technical products, I just try to create as much techno, create as much content as possible. And in terms of measurement, I just kind of see what type of content resonates the most in different channels. So if I see like a Google app script tutorial resonates really well on YouTube versus LinkedIn or something, then I'll think in the back of my mind, okay, the next time I do a more technical tutorial involving Google app script, I should probably focus on YouTube. Um, and I don't really try to, I don't think it's, fair right now to set like okay every video has to have like a million views or something because um you don't know how someone learns on their path to becoming proficient in your product or tool 
So I thought that first thing that she mentioned about measurement really rang home because I'm constantly thinking about how to do that with my current role when I'm trying to educate people about how to use Coda and also their API. So that was the first thing she mentioned. The second thing she talked about was what to focus on because there's so many different things you can focus on. And I kind of just talked about it a little bit in my first, an- in my first, um, well, in her first answer. Well, in my answer to her first question, which is you have blog posts, YouTube videos, webinars, uh, meetups, virtual events, um, you know, live code, live coding on like Twitch and stuff. There's so many different ways you can, so many different projects you can focus on. And I think again, my North Star when it comes to my role, um, at, at my company and also just like for me doing my content on Geo Analyst is just being consistent and putting stuff out there and doing things that I find interesting. I think ultimately like, you know, as a user of Google Sheets and Excel and as a user of Coda, like I, when I come across something interesting that I think other people might find interesting as well, then I just create some videos and content about it. And that's essentially what this podcast is all about. So when it comes to time to think about things to focus i think it's really hard to like i know like with content marketing you're supposed to like plan out six months or three months or a year in advance and this is the story you want to tell and this is the message you want to focus on i think for me it's more just been about doing things that i find interesting based on what i see in an industry and what i hear about and read about and listen to and try to tie my you know what i'm trying to teach into that trend if you will so in terms of what to focus on, it's really just what you're most interested in, in terms of your own product and your own tools. And so there are probably a few channels you should be focusing on, like probably should be doing YouTube and like a medium blog and LinkedIn and stuff. Um, in terms of the content that you produce, I suppose as a developer advocate, it really just comes down to what you find interesting and you think your audience will find interesting. And, you can tell the story in a compelling way. So that's, uh, yeah, I really liked, I really liked this, um, this podcast and hopefully we'll, you know, do more shout outs to them over time. But I do appreciate, uh, Peggy's responses to the question about what she finds most challenging. I think for a lot of developer advocates out there or even those out there who are not, you know, formally called a developer advocate, but doing developer advocacy type projects and responsibilities. I think this, these two challenges will ring true for, for, for those of you out there. That wraps it up for this episode of Dear Analyst. Mm-hmm.